GF, who I think tried to call us, uh, and now it says calling. Calling. There. Now it's ringing. Hello. Hi, are you there? I am. You were there before, but... Let's pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, recently, um, I saw an old uh, interview with Gene Wilder talking about how Richard Pryor, who co-wrote Blazing Saddles, was supposed to be the lead. Yes. Uh, the Cleveland Little part. And one day they had just started shooting, and Richard didn't show up, wasn't showing up. Then Gene got a call, uh, and it's Pryor. And he says, hey, Richard, where are you? He goes, I'm in Cleveland. And Gene Wilder goes, why? And Pryor goes, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, in terms of that, what I just did isn't so bad. No, we, uh, <laughs> um, uh, you know, on the on the scale, if you're looking at sort of a sort of a curve, if you're, it's not a Laffler curve; it's a Laffer curve. Uh, your um, your uh, misbehavior was minimal, almost minuscule. That's what I like to think. Almost minuscule. Which is, I don't know what, if there's a, a word for almost minuscule besides almost minuscule. Would you know it that? It might not be. It might not be. I mean, you know, actually, I think almost minuscule would actually fall within the category of minuscule. Yeah. I don't or know. Or minuscule might be one of those words that is so precise you can't be almost. Like pregnant. Yeah. You can't, you're either minuscule or you're. <laughs> you can't be almost pregnant. You could be headed towards pregnant. Pregnant. You could be working on it. You, yeah. You can see someone walking down the street. Go, oh, they're headed towards pregnant. So <laughs> that, that's more of a. That sounds like a rural colloquialism, though, doesn't it? They're headed towards pregnant. It does. So, so much so that it might be. So here's the big question. Okay. How oh, you might want to introduce me just in case. Um. Okay. Or did you before you called? Uh, we did mention, but we'll mention it again. Of course we mentioned. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, we are speaking with none other than our good friend Jeff Abagov, who is calling in live from near the Pacific Ocean. Um, Jeff uh, has been a uh, television producer. He is a screenwriter. He is a novelist. He has two great books out that we have told you are a fantastic summer read. Uh, one is Time Travel for Love and Profit. The other one is zombies versus aliens versus vampires versus dinosaurs. And that's a great book, but just let me say, knowing the reading habits currently of a vast majority of the American Republic, that's as far as they get. Four words. <laughs> Four words. They go, where's the pictures? Uh, but they are... You know, actually, actually, as I've you know, been delving into this world of books and readers... Um, I found something, like, there are those who, those who read, read passionately. So the statement, you know, more people don't read for pleasure than do is true, and I don't know the numbers. People who read, I mean, it's like some people don't go to the theater, but those who do typically do often. Yeah. Uh, so I'm finding, like, there are a lot of avid readers out there. There are. I've got uh, two books sitting in front of me right now. They're sitting across uh, from me on my bookshelf. 
that I bought. I, I bought William Kennedy's Ironweed. So um, you may remember the film with uh, Jack Nicholson and Tom Waits and Meryl Streep. Uh, but I also bought a book, and I don't know if this tells you anything about me. Uh, and we bought it like a used bookstore. I bought When to Rob a Bank. <laughs> I, like to, I like that title. And, and 131 but is more. But that, that should be the sequel, though. It is. The first one should be How to Rob a Bank. Uh, yeah, well, this is put out by the, the guys who wrote Freakonomics. Uh, Steve, oh, oh. Stephen okay. Levin oh, and Stephen Dubner. I, uh, I, I love those books. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to get that one, too. 131 more warp suggestions uh, and unintended rants. So, um, it tells, I don't know. Do you know anything about bank robbing? Um, yeah. Have you ever robbed a bank? Um, like personally? Yeah. Let's, let's just get it out in the open right now. <laughs> well. Tell us the I've, truth. I've, I've stood in banks, like while waiting in line, and cased the joint and planned it. Yeah, yeah. But that, then. That's a the writer's mind. But then the line moves faster than I expected, and it's my turn, and I forget. And next time I'm there, I have to start all over. You know, here's the weird thing. Um, tell me your thoughts on this. Uh, when you say bank robber, people think of, you know, some guy with a mask and a gun and that sort of thing. But more the case nowadays, and in all actuality, not exaggerating, it's the banks robbing us. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, I, I've gotten money back from Wells Fargo from accounts that I never opened, that they opened in my name and somehow charged me for, you know, and as you're going about your, especially if you're running like a little business like this and so many things are coming in and out over the years, uh, little things I didn't notice, you know, uh, overdraft fees on accounts. I, right. You know, and they, they sent me money and, and they're still sending me. And the thing is, if you rob a bank, if you, Jeff, today, get up when we're finished here and go out and rob a bank and get caught, you'll go to jail right away and then, you know, and then you'll be tried and you'll go to prison right away and all that kind of stuff. When a bank robs you, they get to take forever giving you your money back. I'm still getting letters going, we're still investigating. I go, you stole the money. You stole it. Yeah. Although that's not called bank robbery. That's called bank fraud. But you're absolutely right. Yeah, why is that called fraud? So they're taking your money. They're taking money that doesn't belong to them illegally. Why is it called fraud? It's mainly so, so you don't get confused between when a person robs them and they rob us. They do need two different names. I, and I, I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing they just said, well, okay, we can't call it robbery. How's fraud? Yeah, sure, I got to go to lunch. We'll Dead call it fraud. Year? Think about this. <laughs> if you ever decide to rob a bank, Jeff, if you go, damn it, you know what? I've done this and this and this in my life. I've had a full life. What's on my uh, bucket list? I've never robbed a bank. But you don't want to go to jail in your, your golden years. Okay? Uh -huh. You'd rather just go to a home than a jail. Uh, when you go in there with your note, on the note, it should not say this is a bank robbery. It should say this is a bank fraud. Give me all your money. Oh, well, you know, it should, it should say, it should say this, is, this is not a bank robbery. It's a, just a very strong request. Yeah. Think of it. What would happen if someone walked in 
walked to the teller with a note, no gun, no weapon, with a note, this is not a robbery, this is a very strong request, give me $10,000 in unmarked bills. <laughs> I, I is that a robbery? And they do, and I, they, they do. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> well, that's how you do it then. <laughs> Well, I do know this about bank robbery because I know I've, I've known bank robbers in my life. Okay. Uh, that if you go in, there's a difference in the sentencing guide, guidelines. Uh, you here's the way it works at a bank nowadays, or has for, for quite some time. Remember how you used to hear, hear about shootouts in banks during a robbery, and then uh-huh. and then you stop hearing about shootouts. So everybody got together who runs stuff and goes, "We need to people are not don't even want to come to the bank anymore, afraid of getting shot." So they got rid of the security guards in banks. And what they do now is if someone comes in and goes, this is a robbery, they just say, here, here's the money. And they wait until the robber leaves the bank to even notify the authorities. Because that way, very few people get killed and they can always print more money. They don't really give a shit. So if you go in with a note and say, this is a robbery, give me the money, they will give you the money. If you don't have a gun and you get caught, it's less prison time than if you do have a And I knew bank yes. robbers that knew that. I, I, and I know why. The, um, well, I don't know why here, but in um, Quebec or Canada, I'm not sure where I'm from, because um, I did documentaries on this years ago. If you do any kind of robbery with a gun, a knife, I mean banks, stores, mugging, and you have a gun, that is automa- it's auto- the charge is automatically attempted murder. Because wow. the, the thinking being, if you have a, a loaded gun and tell someone to do something and they don't do it, you're probably going to use the gun. Whereas if you don't have a gun or you have like a water pistol that looks like a gun or um, an empty gun, then it's robbery. What about if you go in and you got like um, um, you got like a really scary looking grill, like you've put in some of those like crazy gangster rap teeth? And you just kind of show your teeth at them like that. <laughs> but, you know, come to think of it, I just realized there's another flaw on this ludicrous topic anyway. <laughs> the, the difference between murder and attempted murder is um, person X shoots person Y, aiming for the heart, hits him in the arm. That's attempted murder. Person, scenario two, he aims for the heart, shoots in the heart, kills the guy. That's murder. So we're actually punishing the second guy for being better at it. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the difference between murder and attempted murder is success. Yeah, that doesn't seem right. And that's the problem in America. We don't reward success anymore. <laughs> that's right. The Republicans should use that. Hey, speaking of, you said Quebec. There's a there was a song I was talking. I was a little kid. I don't know if they teach. I said Canada. Quebec, not Corvette. I I didn't say Corvette. I said Quebec. Did oh, I, sorry. Go on. Did I say Corvette? I don't think I said... I thought you did, but, you know. I said... Okay. Go on. There was an old, like, folk song they taught us when I was a little kid. Go, if you're ever in Quebec, storing tender, uh, timber on the deck, water's rising. Was that like a popular song in Quebec, you know? I, I really couldn't understand what you were singing there. Neither could I. I so. <laughs> it was the lines sounded- were, if you're ever in Quebec... Storing timber on the deck. And then there's more to the song, but that's all that I know. Uh, probably not, because if it was a popular song, folk song in Quebec, it would have been in French. 
Yes. Like Frere Jaca. That wasn't really that popular. That was no more popular in Quebec than it was in the States, meaning that was, that was a French-French song, not a French-Canadian song. But French Canada has its whole own market. Um, they get their own folk songs? Self-distinct. They have their own folk songs. They have their own uh, film and TV stars. Do they have, like, their own Elvis? Uh, do we? Well, no, yeah. Does, does, does Canada have its own Elvis? Does Canada have someone who is an Elvis in Canada, but as soon as you get to Detroit, people go, who? Probably not. I don't know. I don't know, actually. I've been here, you know, a long, long time. There was one so, in France. Um, okay. Johnny Halliday. He was called the French Elvis. Okay. I don't recall anyone being called the French-Canadian Elvis, but there, there wouldn't be. They, they kind of, we're generalizing now, but they kind of generally don't like making comparisons Did they like to other places. What? Did they like Elvis? Probably some did and some didn't. Did you like Elvis? Uh, I was okay with Elvis. I wasn't like, to me, I was much more Beatles. Yeah. Uh, the Beatles, to me, were the icon more so than Elvis. Do you think there'd be a Beatles? But I'm aware that Elvis was what he was. Do you think there'd be a Beatles without Elvis? That doesn't matter to my point. I don't know. I was just moving off your point <laughs> to, to another. There, there wouldn't have been, I think, well, there wouldn't have been Elvis without gospel. So we should discount gospel. We should discount Elvis because gospel was first. It doesn't really relate. Well, yeah, it was just it was just a question. It wasn't um, I, 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 know, I now feel this is good. I feel personally attacked. Uh, <laughs> here, here's the question. Here's the question. Here, so here's a question to kind of to kind of pull all this together. This sort of stream of consciousness thing we were just doing, especially when we were talking about uh, Robin Banks. Okay, do you let your mind, you know, as a writer, as someone who's written two novels, uh, written screen, written and had produced. Uh, screenplays and, and written countless television shows in your writing process do you ever just let your mind start at point a and then let it run on its own so to speak in a stream of consciousness way uh looking for ideas along the way all the time okay all right so what used to be called when we were children uh i would be a castigated for daydreaming but, right, and that's probably why you became a stand-up comedian. Because I got yelled at for daydreaming? Because you were daydreaming despite the fact that you got yelled at it. Yeah. I think the people, the people who didn't become storytellers, let's use the most broad word, the people who didn't become storytellers were the ones who said, oh, I better stop daydreaming. Yeah, better grow up. They grew up, yeah. <laughs> you think you're going to make money daydreaming, boy? So, uh, <laughs> I mean, is it, is it like definitely... It, so here's, here's the question. Here's the question. Is it definitely something you do? Do You go, I need ideas. I'm just going to take the governor off my ha mind and let it flow. Or do you use... No, no, it'll be... It's more like um, in, in books. Because when you're writing for hire, you have to do pretty specific outlines because the people who are paying for it, want to know what they're paying for. Um, Those people. Which is what, 
<laughs> um, but writing on spec, it's like I'll, I'll have like a very general outline. I'll know like the main points and then like little signposts along the way. So it's like, okay, she's at home and by the end of the scene, chapter sequence, whatever you want to call it, um, she's at home alone and by the end, she's got to meet the guy who will become her love interest. And I think it's at a grocery store, but I'm not sure. Okay, she's home. What happens next? Then what happens next? Then what happens next? And sometimes each what happens next is a conscious question. And sometimes before you even get to the question, you know what is happening next. And you know what's happening next. It's kind of like, I'm not a good chess player. Maybe in chess I could think three moves ahead, but the great ones could think like 15 moves ahead. Yeah. It's kind of like, so you kind of go, oh, I know what happens after this. And then you're doing that. Oh, I know what happens after this and after that. I better hurry before I forget. And that's cool. That when it happens like that, that's awesome. And then you're probably way too long. And then you go back and cut it. Have you ever, that's good stuff. Have you ever been uh, in your, you know, in, in the part of your career where you were a writer for hire, uh, been given a, an assignment or a task, we, we need this done, uh, went home or went to your office and done it, and then been just absolutely elated by what you'd done, and then bring it to them and have them throw it back in your face, going, this is garbage! Not, not I, I thought I knew where you were going. Yeah. So I had a different answer to what you said. No. Um, but it has happened where they go, Jeff, this is great. Good job. And then proceed to change all of it. Have you ever hired... Hi- really frustrating. All right. Have you ever hired someone who you had high hopes for? You go, you know, because you, you've, you've... Besides being a writer for hire, you've also been in a position where you go, I need writers for this project correct right i've been a showrunner yeah all right so have you ever hired a writer and you had incredibly high hopes for them and you were excited and then not too long in the process you go wow this was a mistake hmm Hmm. have you ever had to let somebody go early on maybe i don't really think of that I, i don't really think of it things in those terms i think it's like once a decision's made Okay, this is the team. And this is a team, and there's no trades, and there's no sending someone to the minors. This is the team. Um, how do we best make this team work? Okay, maybe this person who I expected to be great in the writer's room isn't, but they're really good on paper, or vice versa. Oh. Or they're the person I could send out to, hey, you know, we're doing this major, you go off, we're doing this major gang rewrite, but you go off alone and do scene three. Like, it's it, so, I don't, in most things, I don't think about it in terms of I made a mistake as much as how, how can I make this work? And by the way, right there, you have, um, as, as you were, as you were exp- describing that, I thought there, this shows uh, the mind of a successful person. Someone who, instead of bemoaning or criticizing or, or uh, being hysterical about a decision going, how do I now make this work? This is happening. How do I maximize it? Very cool. Very cool indeed. You know, as I hear myself talk, boy, I wish I could do that in my real life. 
Uh, but you're kidding, you do. Now, are you going to write today, or are you taking off the entire weekend uh, to celebrate America's independence? Uh, I haven't decided yet. I'm probably taking off today. Yeah, well, we're. Uh, I'm taking a part of the day off, and then tonight we have a show at the Tepe Center of the Arts where uh, it, I, I promise, I've been promising the listeners, I've been promising uh, people in my workshops and stuff, within the next 10 days, 14 days, we'll announce when you are coming out to give uh, your seminar talk, very entertaining uh, uh, day on uh, uh, screenwriting and script writing. Uh, we'll be announcing that, and you will be at the Tempe Center of the Arts, where I'm going to be tonight, by uh, contractually. So, <laughs> anyway. yeah, it's funny. Your business is such that um, you have to work on holidays. Yeah, yeah. Well, not have to, but I remember when I was first in that brief period where I was doing stand-up, um, and like at a very low level, um, realizing, yeah, like the and like, like the best paying gigs are New Year's Eve. They are, yeah, they are. They you were. Know, so you, you, yeah. you have to work, but when when it's everybody's day off, you're their entertainment. You know, that is one of the. Um, it's one of the problems for people that are around us. Those of us that work in in, in uh, live entertainment is. Um, they can enter into a relationship with us or, or we have children, you know, and um, uh, most comics I know are very good fathers because they have a childlike thing so they can relate with to the kids so much. Um, but then all of a sudden it's someone's birthday. You go, well, daddy's going to be on a cruise ship. Daddy's going to be in Omaha. We'll celebrate your right. birthday when I get home. Our Christmas is January 12th, you know, and uh, it, it, it can take its toll. Yeah, we work. We work holidays, man. We work holidays, yeah. you know? So uh, we didn't work like... We used to put on a big show on July 4th at the Tempe Center for the Arts, but a larger organization that puts on a big fireworks display down there bought the building out. We can't do it. But otherwise than that, we would have worked last night. Since we're not working last night, we're working tonight, which means I have to, um, I have to take my old man nap for seven hours before the show. <laughs> Jeff, okay. always appreciate you taking the time to speak with us on a Friday morning. Uh, it's enjoyable speaking with you, whether it's just you and I uh, shooting the breeze like a couple old guys late at night are here on the air. Thank you for call calling in, sir. Thank you for having me. It's a blast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Abigail, put it together. Yes. We'll talk to you next Friday, pal. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Mm -hmm. Well, that was cool. That was a fun conversation. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed it, and I hope the listeners enjoyed it, too. Um... There's always a method to the badness, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I believe in enjoying myself. So instead of being perfunctory and right to the mark and asking questions, uh, I like shooting the breeze because oftentimes in that conversation, valuable information comes out. And if you go back and listen to that conversation, you should listen to it twice. You can find out stuff that you need as you begin your journey as a writer. Okay, I think that's it for the day. We're going to wrap up because um, um, I'm not finished. I'm not finished by a long shot. Uh, I'm far from finished. Uh, I will be at the Tempe Center of the Arts with Class Clowns tonight. One of my favorite shows to produce. One of my favorite shows to watch. One of my favorite shows to uh, be on. I'm going to be there tonight at 7.30. You should be there too. Get your tickets at ComedySchools.com or ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. For my producer, who just happens to be my wife, Shirley Lovisic. And my crew, consisting of Roscoe and Chica, the dogs. 
I bid you adieu. Until next Friday. Bye-bye.